AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate it. Thanks to Mike Pearson for sitting in for me yesterday. We have lots to talk about today. Arlen Suderman with StoneX will join us. We'll talk markets. We'll talk the economy with, with Arlen. Ryan Yates with the American Farm Bureau Federation joins us to talk about WOTUS. And Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers will join us to talk about the latest ag equipment sales numbers. Also want to talk about the John Deere worker strike as well. So all that coming up on a busy day. I mean, we started off with Todd Neely, DTN reporter. Todd, good to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. We've been talking for weeks and for months about disruptions in the supply chain. So the president comes out yesterday and, and we're told that they've been working on it for months. But, you know, we haven't seen any results from that work that's supposedly been going on. But now he, the president announces what they want to do to to fix the situation or help resolve the situation is to expand the hours, stay open longer. And big bulletin yesterday when they when he said there's less traffic on the roads at night, so we'll just do more at night. I thought the problem was lack of workers. So if you expand the hours, how how does that address that? You don't have enough workers to work during the day, so now we're going to expand it during the night. I don't know how that gets more workers. Yeah, Mike, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting situation. You know that we've had we've had these difficulties building for a while, and I think um, you know we need some bigger solutions. I, I think um, you know we hear a lot about uh, container shipping container concerns, um, and as you said, a lot of places need more they need more employees, and so um, I don't know that expanding the hours is going to help. I you know, I think maybe it's one thing that could help, but it, it needs to be there needs to be a broader look at this situation. I think um, until we really sit down and get serious about it, I mean, you know, we're heading into holiday seasons and all those things. Um, you know, there's going to be massive amounts of people trying to ship products for Christmas, and um, you know, there's just so much going on and on that front that you would think that uh, coming from the administration, we would have heard something that you know was maybe a bit more bold. Yeah, you know, we've been hearing about these um, issues that could affect the holiday season for quite some time now. But when it actually hits, and if it does hit, as some are expecting, then I think the outcry is going to be much louder and more pressure will be brought to bear on uh, political leaders at that time. Yeah, I think so, you know, and you're right. You know, we get, we're get we getting into a, a time of the year where, um, you know, there's just so much that that's yet to be done in terms of, people shipping products. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like it's just a holiday situation. You know, it's, it's really been an issue that's, it's, you know, we've had difficulties in the past year or two. Um, but it feels like things are really coming to a head. And, uh, I think you're right. I think once we see, uh, the possible effects, the real world effects of, of what this is going to mean, I, I do think that people are going to be, uh, you know, fairly, fairly outraged at, at where we are. And I think, you know, to see that to see at this point in time uh, the administration uh, not really coming up with any hardcore solution, I think is uh, is really disappointing. Yeah, like I said, when they say we've been working on it for months, and this is what they come out with, uh, wow, that uh, that uh, doesn't I don't think make people feel a lot better about the situation or that it's going to get better anytime soon. All right, let's move on to WOTUS. That's going to be our topic in the next segment. Um, we saw some action here just recently from EPA on kind of what they want to do to kind of get this input they say they're seeking. So they're talking about regional roundtables. What do you know about that? Yeah, Mike, you know, it was interesting. You know, you know, we don't really, we don't have a proposal yet. And so EPA is kind of in a, uh, kind of an information gathering mode right now. Uh, and yesterday they, they, they uh, put out a notice looking for, uh, proposals from people in various regions of the country. They, they'd like to see, um, they want to host 10 what they call virtual regional roundtables. And so uh, it sounds like it's pretty wide open, uh, but they're looking 
for for how um, you know looking for differences and how Lotus rules have affected people. And I think um, you know it's probably a good timing for ag at this point uh, to, to get involved with this. You know, if if uh, some of the the state level ag groups um, can get involved and, and put together, you know, a group of people. I think they're looking for up to 15 people per uh, roundtable. And so, you know, you could get quite a wide swath of representatives' uh, voices in these roundtables. Um, you know, I don't know what's to come of them. I mean, I guess it could, uh, you know, why they're looking for, uh, you know, 10 different roundtables. You know, we're really only talking about, what, five regions of the country. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether it's weighted evenly with the Midwest and the East and that sort of thing or what might come of it. But um, it is, I think it's a chance, though, I think, uh, you know, it does provide an opportunity to uh, to start talking about some of these issues. And uh, we have uh, plans announced to build a new uh, soybean crush plant in Kansas. Yeah, you know, uh, Kansas has, I believe, just two crushing facilities. Um, and yesterday, Bartlett announced that it was building a plant uh, in the southeast part of the state and capable of producing crushing 38 and a half million bushels uh, a year uh, apparently they're going to launch construction i believe next year and then with the plan opening in 2024 um you know we saw some other companies doing the same i mean we've seen other uh, expansions of crush facilities and i think it's um you know we have a lot of states like kansas where there's just not a lot of that um and so this is probably a more than welcome uh, situation Meanwhile, we continue to wait and see what happens in Washington on infrastructure, on the reconciliation bill. They're both just still in limbo. Yeah, you know, Mike, I think, um, you know, at some point, I think someone's going to have to say, you know, we got to split these up. You know, there's been so much, uh, there's so much tie between, uh, you know, the, the, the spending bills and, and uh, the infrastructure bill. Um, and really, you know, we've got an infrastructure package that's, uh, it's got broad support, and it you know it could pass right now on a vote. It just seems uh, kind of foolhardy to sit there on that, and uh, you know I don't know that we're going to see that. The way the politics are in D.C. these days, I'm I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think it's going to uh, we're just going to stay in the status quo and and wait and see what happens with the larger spending package. Yeah, I just shake my head when I hear a political leader complain that oh, we can't get the infrastructure package passed. Well, you can if you didn't hook it to the yeah. other uh, the reconciliation bill. Yeah, and it really is that simple. I mean, you know, it'd be, I think it'd be quite an overwhelming vote in favor of it. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of deciding to do it. It's really not that complicated. Yep. Have the political will to uh, go about it that way instead of trying to go for, the, as I've said before, be greedy and try to get everything you can think of in there instead yeah. of just going for what you can get. Yeah. All right, Todd, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Mike. DTN reporter Todd Neely. All right, we talked about WOTUS and EPA going to have these roundtables evidently around the country. They are trying to find this uh, sweet spot, this middle ground to make everybody happy on waters of the U.S. In the meantime, what happens to the rule we just got put into place? We're going to talk about all that with Ryan Yates with the American Farm Bureau Federation next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com. 
At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, football in your favorite recliner. Some things work best in pairs. Enlist E3 soybeans from Golden Harvest are no different. Our exclusive Enlist E3 varieties have strong agronomics and disease tolerance for your conditions. Get yours from Golden Harvest today for a pairing that performs. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks displayed or otherwise used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company and List E3 Soybean Technology is jointly developed with Dow AgroSciences LLC and MS Technologies LLC. And List E3 is a trademark of Dow AgroSciences LLC. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, the WOTUS debate, the Waters of the U.S. debate continues. Here to talk about it is Ryan Yates, Managing Director of Public Policy for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Ryan, thank you for joining us. You bet. Good morning. How are you? Good. So let's kind of set this up. Uh, It took four years to change the very controversial 2015 rule. We just get a new rule in place, and then the Biden administration comes in and says, well, we want to change it. Um, Not sure exactly how, but we're going to find something that's going to make more people happy, make everyone happy. I'm very skeptical that you can do that, and I also tend to think that it probably will be less friendly for agriculture. I don't know that, but that would be my concern when they come up with a new rule, because we just got one that pretty much agriculture and a lot of other groups said was much, much better. Uh, What are your thoughts on this uh, uh, goal, which may be worthy, uh, a worthy goal, a good goal to have to try to please everybody, but how realistic is it? Well, you know, and that's... that's, uh... It's always the million dollar question is, you know, can you, can you strike the balance? Uh, can we, can we figure out a way to appease both sides? And I, I don't know. Uh, look, the, like you say, we, after the 2015 rule, uh, the Obama WOTUS rule, that attracted a whole lot of controversy. It created a great deal of uncertainty and frankly attracted a whole lot of litigation. And, uh, you know, it took several years to, to get past that 25, that flawed 2015 rule and um, we worked very diligently with the previous administration to try to craft a rule that that that, that found that balance uh that that worked for uh farmers and ranchers and just made sense it had the clarity um that that we were looking for now was it perfect no i i don't think so there were a number of things that we would like to see in the 2020 rule and we didn't quite get there but i would say all in all it was a very fair and a well-balanced rule, and we were pleased with that. And there was, a, frankly, a, a big sigh of relief when, when that, uh, that regulation was finalized in the previous administration. And, uh, you know, disappointment is an understatement when, uh, when we heard that this administration um, announced that it would seek to um, dismantle or make changes to uh, the 2020 rule. So, um, yes, we're, we're disappointed. Um, you know, in addition to 
the 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 administration announcing that they would look to repeal and replace that rule with something different. Uh, we had the rule, uh, the ruling in the Arizona District Court um, this last month that that vacated the Navajo Waters Protection Rule. So uh, either way you look at it, um, uh, this administration is going to be looking to replace the rule, and, um, and we're not going to prejudge anything at this point. I would say Administrator Regan uh, has been very forthcoming um, in his willingness to, to work with agriculture, his outreach between him and and, uh, and Radica Fox both. They have reached out uh, to agriculture, and they um, – they are looking for input, and that is definitely something that, that we at Farm Bureau and, and farmers and ranchers across the country, we, we are very motivated in this issue space. It's an issue we know well, having fought this for years and years, um, and um, you know, we are going to continue to advocate for um, a, a good rule, uh, and, and we'll, we'll take part in the process. And so this is a process moving forward, and um, you know, we had uh, there was an open docket and farmers and ranchers across the country loaded it with comments uh, over the last several weeks, and we were very proud of the amount of input that farmers and ranchers put in that open comment period. In addition, there was a number of uh, uh, town halls that the EPA had, and, and we had farmers and ranchers calling from across the country uh, with their concerns about what a new rule could look like. So we're going to continue that. This is a big issue for uh, farm country, um, and um, – we, we're hopeful that we can find a, a good result in the end, but uh, it is a process, and uh, we'll see we'll see how this goes. We're talking with Ryan Yates with the American Farm Bureau Federation about waters of the U.S. Do we have any idea? Are they giving you any signals or indications of what they want to change in this 2020 rule? I think it's real early at this point. Um, you know, I think we can we could look into it and. Uh, I think one of the the things that we're worried about is um, you know, when you have a, a good rule like the 2020 rule, I, I fear that the, the, there's a political motivation that well this was the, the last the last president's rule, so we're just going to throw it out because you know it has Trump associated with it, uh, and they're going to throw out a perfectly good rule um, out of spite. I, I hope that's not the case. Uh, if there are things that they'd like to tweak in the rule that, that makes sense, I'm happy to have that conversation with them, but it's real early in the process, process at this point. So I know they're collecting information. The next step in the, in the process will be for them to, to put together a proposed rule. And again, I, I'm not going to prejudge it until I see it. Uh, I will be very hopeful and I could be optimistic that um, whatever that uh, draft rule that they come up with will be consistent with the needs of uh, Farm Bureau and our policies and our members' needs. Um, uh, but we'll see, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, uh, I, I imagine there'll be a number of things in, in their proposal that, that may not be consistent with our policies that, that we're going to fight them, fight them on. But again, I hate to, I hate to prejudge it. So, uh, I will, I will, uh, maintain my optimism that, uh, that they will, uh, not put forth a rule that, um, is going to be overly burdensome, burdensome or complicated. You know, farmers and ranchers don't have a team of lawyers. Uh, that, that travel with them in, the, in their case of their John Deere every day. Um, you know, we don't have the luxury of, of bringing an attorney out to the field every day to say, is this a navigable water? Is this not a navigable water? You know, that, that type of certainty uh, is going to be critical uh, so the farmers and ranchers know, is this jurisdictional? Is this not jurisdictional? And uh, I just, you know, I just want to farm. Let me do my job. And that's, what, that's the kind of certainty that we, that we need to have. And, um, you know, again, if this thing looks anything like the 2015 rule, um, again, we'll be wildly disappointed. Meanwhile, you mentioned the, the recent court rulings. Aren't we back in limbo on, on waters of the U.S. right now? I mean, what is the status of the, the 2020 rule, the new rule? Yeah, we are, we are in, in limbo land, I guess, here. So uh, we technically, with the, the uh, vacature of the Naval Waters Protection Rule, uh, we are now reverting back to the 1986 uh, water rule. So again, any <laughs> uh, we're, we're going way back here. And so again, when we're looking at trying to provide um, a modern framework for for environmental stewardship, and we're having to rewind the clock 30 plus years, uh, this is not uh, this is not sustainable. This is not uh, good policy. 
uh, we need clarity and um, uh, we need to be working within um, a regulatory framework uh, that is that is modern and, and works with uh, is consistent with the advancements that we've seen in agriculture. So rewinding the clock to 1986, um, you know, this is like back to the future. <laughs> you know, uh, this, this, this is not this is not helpful. This is not uh, providing the clarity that farmers and ranchers need. And and uh, so again, it's uh, it's not the best place to be. Uh, but um, you know, again, it's a it's a process, and and uh, hopefully we can we can get to a place where um, we, we will have a modern rule in place that that again is consistent with the needs of rural America. Yeah, it's the lack of clarity. The it's the uncertainty. Uh, pardon the pun. When we're talking waters of the U.S., they've muddied the waters again. I mean, a landowner really doesn't know again what it is they can or cannot do without breaking the law. Yeah, and again, that that's just um, that's exactly right. Um, we again, having that 2020 rule in place, uh, farmers finally found themselves in a place where. They had environmental, environmentally responsible regulations that brought clarity to, to the work that they're doing in the clean water space. Look, everybody wants clean water. Uh, farmers and ranchers need clarity. I think we should be able to do that. It, it, again, it's disappointing that, that we're throwing out a perfectly good rule that provided most of what we were looking to, to achieve. Um, but uh, here we are, and uh, we, will, we, will, we will work with this current EPA and uh, Administrator Regan, and, and hopefully we can find ourselves in a good place. And, uh, but like with any, any effort in the regulatory space, uh, you know, Farm Bureau is going to do what it needs to do to protect, protect our members. And, um, you know, we will, we will provide the necessary comments and engage a strong grassroots effort uh, as, we, as we work through this process. And hopefully at the other end of the tunnel, uh, we'll end up with a good rule. And if we don't, we'll see them in court. As I keep pointing out, how do they know this is not a good rule? Haven't had it long enough to know. I mean, they didn't give it a chance to work, and, and here they come in and, and start wanting to change it. All right, Ryan, thanks for the update, and we'll wait and see what the, their proposal would be for a new rule and get your reaction then. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Ryan Yates, Managing Director of Public Policy for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, lots uh, to talk about with Arlen Suderman with Stone X next. Not only the commodity markets, but the economy, supply chain, so much more. That's coming up next. Stay with us. This is AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Yesterday morning, the USDA announced a flash sale of 161,544 metric tons for delivery to unknown destinations for the 2021-2022 marketing year. Due to the government holiday earlier in the week, weekly export sales are pushed back until tomorrow morning. This morning, futures are in the green after yesterday's heavy selling pressure. On the Board of Trade, December corn trading three cents higher at 515 and a fraction of a cent. 
The March contract trading two and a fraction higher at 524 and a fraction. For soybeans, the January contract up two and three quarters at 1208 and three quarters. The November contract trading three and a half cent higher at 1198 and three quarters. For wheat, Chicago wheat December trading eight and a half cent higher at 727 and a fraction. Kansas City wheat December up 11 at 732 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat December up 14 and three quarters of a cent at 963 and a half cent. The March contract up 12 at 950. Both live cattle and feeder cattle closed lower with deferred contracts posting triple-digit losses due to a more bearish supply outlook yesterday. Cash cattle trade developed at a steady price with last week but did not provide support and likely was responsible for lower prices as traders saw this as a disappointment. This week, asking prices for cattle left on show list are around $125 in the south and $198 in the north. Beef cutouts are expected to be lower with light to moderate box movement. December live cattle trading $1.15 higher at $130.15. The February contract trading $0.85 cents higher at $134.40. For feeder cattle, November trading $0.65 cents higher at $161.62. January up $0.37 cents at $161.75. In lean hogs, the December contract up $32 at $78.47. February up $25 at $81.10. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, lots to talk about with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for Stone X. Arlen, thank you for joining us. I want to get your thoughts on the supply chain issue. We've been talking about it for months. The president says the administration has been working on it for months, and after months of working on it, their announcement is to stay open longer and, and do more trucking at night. Um, I don't know how that really, that may not hurt things, but I don't see where that really is going to help things dramatically. What are your thoughts? Well, probably the, you know, I like to keep it simple. And uh, so I'd think, okay, if I were to give you a million dollars, would that change your spending habits? I anticipate it probably would. Uh, and I suppose the next thing you're going to do is give me your uh, address and, and contact information on that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and basically what we have done is pump hundreds of billions of dollars mm -hmm. into the consumer in the United States. It's not just the United States, but consumers around the world in the major economies. This is what central banks have done through monetary policy and governments have done through fiscal policy. So we have elevated demand. That happened during the pandemic when places were shut down. So they weren't producing. So as soon as they started producing, they were already behind the eight ball. And then everything is piled up and congested, and uh, we haven't been able to catch up. Labor problems confound that even more. We're certainly seeing that at ports of New Orleans, where they're trying to catch up, where they were shut down because of Hurricane Ida and they're behind the eight ball trying to catch up. They're trying to work as close to 24-7 as they can, as much as labor issues will allow them to do. It mm -hmm. still comes back to labor. We have a smaller yeah. labor force now, 
and being able to do that. Meanwhile, we continue to talk about pumping more stimulus into the economy, which strengthens that demand even more. That's not the way to fix it either. We saw the data in the, in the wholesale level inflation data coming out this morning showing inflation at the wholesale level at, what, 8.6%. Um, so that was below 8.7% expected. So that's good news. I, I don't think so. And that's inflation yet to hit us. We saw the same thing in China, uh, which is a primary source of our imported goods at 10.7% this morning. And that is inflation that's going to be exported here to the United States and to Europe. So we've got a lot of inflation yet ahead of us. And that doesn't even count the wage inflation and employers trying to stay staffed so they can service this elevated level of demand. Yeah, you're, I, I agree completely. Uh, you know, if you have a labor shortage, just staying open longer doesn't solve the labor shortage. That just means you have still have not enough people to work. If you didn't have enough people to work in the hours you were open, being open longer isn't going to get you more workers. And now, you're the economist, I'm not, but I, I, I'm glad you said what you just pointed out, because I've heard this explained before, that the the worst way to try to fight inflation is to pump more government money into an inflationary economy, right? Isn't that pouring gas on the fire? Exactly right. That just um, creates even more and more problems, and this is something that both uh, Washington and the Fed have failed to recognize to this point. And it's just basic economics. I, I don't understand it. And uh, for those of us here, and I guess we call ourselves flyover country, um, that's what makes common sense. But you just don't pour more money in to create even more problems thinking that'll solve it. Uh, and uh, that's what our decision makers are trying to do. We're talking with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for uh, Stone X. All right, Arlen, let's talk about um, let's talk a little bit more about inflation and how that that impacts every part of our economy and all of our lives. I mean, uh, when you have politi political leaders saying, "Oh, we can pass this spending bill and it won't affect you if you make under a certain amount," I mean, that doesn't make any sense when inflation touches all of us in some way or another. Just look at the prices we're paying. Well, and, and one of the biggest drivers of inflation right now is energy costs. But yet the Federal Reserve looks at the core inflation rate that excludes food and energy um, because it's more volatile, so they think it makes it harder to get a reading on it. Well, high energy prices are driving everything um, because you have to, energy goes into producing of product, and it goes into the hauling of the product, into making the packaging for the product. Uh, it, it, keeping our houses warm. Um, it goes into everything. And when we're looking at record coal prices in the world, we're looking at record natural gas price parts of the world, or we're looking at crude oil at seven-year highs, gasoline at seven-year highs. In the natural gas part, that's where it really hits home in agriculture, since that's the major feedstock for for our nitrogen fertilizers, and we've got a lot of fertilizer plants around the world that are just shut down. So not only are we worried about how much we're going to have to pay for nitrogen for next year's corn crop, we have to worry about the availability of it, being able, even able to get it to put on that corn crop next year. And it's not just the United States. That's worldwide. And so it, energy prices you know, touch all of us, and that's a big key component of inflation that so many decision makers simply want to ignore. Sounds like it'll get worse before it gets better. Yeah, and there's a lot of people now sitting on their combines cutting and trying to make planning decisions for next year because that's when a lot of those decisions are made. And they're thinking, well, maybe I'll just delay putting on that fertilizer. Maybe prices will go back down. And maybe a Something will happen to cause that, uh, but I would say that the odds are that we could have much higher prices yet or lack of availability. Those odds are greater right now than they are that we'll see prices go down. I can't foretell the future. I can just look at the circumstances affecting the market right now, and those risks certainly don't look good right now. Well, let's look at what's happening in the grain markets right now. We've had, had a government report this week. What was your takeaway from that? And just what do you see moving the markets uh, in this choppy time we're in right now? 
Well, we increased the supply of corn and soybeans, and USDA's yield estimates were very, very close to our uh, customer survey-based estimates. We felt pretty good about that, but they surprised the trade. They were higher than the trade expected, so prices went lower. They mean that we have a little margin for error. We have a little breathing room going forward, but a 10% stocks-to-use ratio projected for corn and a 7.3% stocks-to-use ratio ratio projected for soybeans is not a burdensome supply in and of itself. It, it just means that we, we can take a breath here. We don't have to worry about rationing demand, but it doesn't mean that we have burdensome supplies by any means. And for corn, that's more of a concern based on what I just told you about high input costs and what it may mean for next year globally. For soybeans, it's a little bit okay, 7.3%. That's not surplus. It's not tight but we're anticipating more acres next year, and we've got some questions about demand in China. So that's why soybeans have taken a bigger drop. But simultaneously that happening, these high energy prices have put more of a focus on the new renewable fuels, have increased demand for the edible oils, and so we've seen the edible oils come in and provide some underlying support for soybeans, and that's been the positive. Uh, all of them had a sell-off yesterday that was mostly technical in nature. Very little fundamental about that. Today we're bouncing back as we get back to trading this inflation story that we've traded, even though we've trended lower on the corn and soybeans, there's been an inflation story under there limiting the losses outside of yesterday. For much of the last two weeks, I've really noticed it. Let's talk about China. What do you see what they're going to do. I mean, uh, the administration talking about making sure they, they live up to the commitments of the phase one trade deal. And I just don't see the leaders in China sitting around worrying about meeting those levels. I, it seems we've talked about this before. They buy what they think they need, don't they? Yeah, exactly. I was asked by a Bloomberg reporter um, if um, the Biden administration stances was pressuring prices, and they said, I, I don't think the market expects that to be a factor because I think the market understands that China really hasn't taken the phase one trade deal seriously from the start anyway. So I don't think that changes anything. And I saw that the U.S. trade representative says that we really don't need to focus on engaging or competing with China. We just need to promote what we have. And certainly there's a truth to we need to promote what we have, but that's also a, 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 an indication that sends a message to China um, that go on and do what you're going to do because we're not going to engage you on that. Um, so I think we'll probably see more of the same. My bigger concern is China will buy what it wants to but this Ch Taiwan story continues to heat up and intensify. And over the last week, Xi Jinping, president of China, has stated again that he, he said that he guarantees that Taiwan will come be reunited, reunited with China. And he's expected to get one more term. He's expected to get another four-year term here early next year. And then people inside of China think that'll be his last term before he retires. So that means that there's a window in there in which he plans on operating. When will that be? He's not going to tell us when it will be, but trade could put, be put on the chopping block when that happens because that's something that U.S. administrations throughout history have loved to do is say, we don't like what you, your behavior, so we're going to shut off trade to you. Um, so that may be a black swan event that we have to keep in mind going forward. Yeah, we keep wondering about black swans. That would be a big one, that's for sure. All right, Arlen, always good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Arlen Suderman with Stone X. Up next, the latest ag equipment sales numbers are good. They're up again. We'll talk about that with Kurt Blades of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. But what about some of these uh, concerns moving forward, including a big John Deere worker strike right now? We'll talk about that next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. 180 over 111 and I had a stroke. 
When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend-to-Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend-to-Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, football in your favorite recliner. Some things work best in pairs. Enlisty 3 soybeans from Golden Harvest are no different. Our exclusive Enlisty 3 varieties have strong agronomics and disease tolerance for your conditions. Get yours from Golden Harvest today for a pairing that performs. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks displayed or otherwise used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. Enlisty 3 soybean technology is jointly developed with Dow AgroSciences LLC and MS Technologies LLC. Enlisty 3 is a trademark of Dow AgroSciences LLC. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. 
Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. September was a good month for tractor and combine sales. Here to talk about it is Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Kurt, thank you for joining us. These are pretty good, strong numbers, aren't they, when we look year over year? Well, I'll tell you what, Mike, I continue to be uh, be thrilled with the numbers that show up in tractor and combine sales. And you're right, September continues to be strong, especially in the ag market. Uh, so 100 plus horsepower tractors, so row crop tractors and self-propelled combines uh, continue to be bright spots for the month of September. And that's, that's pretty good news for agriculture. That's pretty good news for equipment manufacturers. That's uh, it's obviously pointing to some optimism out there at the at the farm level right now. I guess four wheel drive tractor is the only segment that was down. Actually, uh, four wheel drive tractors were down a slight amount uh, for the month of September, but still up thirty percent for the year. So I think we might be just kind of in a timing situation where, you know, last month was a particularly strong month for four-wheel drive tractors. So it might have just been, a, you know, the way the calendar fell on that one. But we're still up 30% uh, for the year for four-wheel drive tractors. We're up 12% for all tractors uh, for the year. And uh, we're up 26% for 100-plus horsepower tractors for the year. Uh, so kind of growth across the board. Uh, it's all, all positive news the way we look at it. So what do you what do you read into this? You said optimism. Uh, obviously, we've had higher grain prices. Uh, it, could it also be a concern about uh, higher prices down the line? So now's the time to 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 jump in. Now would it's a matter of timing, or what? What do you think's behind this? Well, I think you know you don't turn on the news without without hearing the concerns about the supply chain and even. You know, folks sort of indicating that prices can be expected to go up. So I think that's absolutely built into the built into this growth. And you know, if I were advising uh, farmers today, I'd say, hey, you know, take a take a good consideration to what you know what your equipment needs are going to look like in the next couple of years, and if it's time to you know place an order, probably place an order. Uh, so I think that builds into it. I think there's also you know you mentioned the commodity prices, or even just sort of that you know the optimism that that looks like commodity prices could be on on a on a strength position for the next couple of years. That's good news as well. Uh, you know then you add to that one other thing, which is you know some pretty cool technology that farmers are, that equipment manufacturers are putting out there that farmers can take advantage of. We love to see that, and we and I think farmers love to take advantage of that. So all three of those things are contributing to these strong markets. Um, news today, of course, is of a major worker strike, uh, John Deere worker strike. How do you see that impacting things moving forward? Well, I mean, we're already in a little bit of a tight supply chain situation. Um, you know, I don't want to get into the details of, of that particular strike other than knowing that it is part of the news. And we're already in a little bit of a tight supply. And I, you know, hope that they can come to an agreement as soon as they can because, uh, you know, we want to we want to make sure that that machines are are being manufactured and and being able to be delivered to farmers as quick as they can be. Well, let's talk about supply chain issues. Uh, that's a big topic today. After the president announces his plan is to uh, have ports stay open longer and have uh, trucks drive more at night when there's less traffic, is that going to alleviate the the supply chain issues? <laughs> well, it's it's part of it. I mean, you know. Well, it sounds like a you know a, a, you know a, a negative person here at all, but the supply chain challenges are are uh, pretty vast. I mean, it's it is obviously the the ports are part of it, labor is part of it, trucking is part of it, shipping is part of it, uh, the the containers being you know in 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 the wrong position is part of it. It's uh, you know pent up demand because factories were shut down in in Europe for a while. I mean, it's, there's a whole complexion of things that, that make up this. I absolutely think that, uh, you know, the more capacity we can build into those ports, whether that's, you know, 24 hours of, uh, of operation and adding additional trucking uh, options, I, that, that will help. That absolutely will help, but that's not going to solve the complete problem. The, the really the only thing that's going to solve the, the supply chain challenges that we face, you know, kind of across all industries 
it's just a little bit more time. It it certainly doesn't resolve the labor part of it, right? I mean, that's that's a big part of this. A- absolutely. In fact, you know what? I, I was with uh, some of our members uh, a couple of weeks ago in Washington D.C., and they were talking about you know the supply chain issues are obviously challenging, and they're missing out on on specific sales. And there's been some numbers that have been quoted in the press uh, by individual brands of sales that have been missed because of you know the inability to supply. Um, and what you know quickly follows up on that is that if we had the supply chain was not the problem, then what would show up even more so is the labor problem in the manufacturing sector. So there's a you know there's kind of a you know a lot of things at play here. You know we want to make sure that the labor issues you know around trucking and the ports is is addressed as soon as it possibly can. But I'll tell you what there's a, there's a shortage of good workers across the board, whether it's in rural areas at the factories or technicians at the dealers or, uh, you know, operators of, of ag and construction equipment. There is a shortage of labor, and I think uh, we're just beginning to see what that, you know, the impacts of that, and that's probably going to be something that's going to be, you know, in front of us for a little while. Yeah, it, it looks that way for sure. But in the meantime, you, know, you look at these strong uh, sales numbers, um, and that offers hope for uh, continued strength and we'll see where it goes we've been talking about these numbers for some time even in the in the last year when things were so uh, rough and and tough in many ways uh, we saw some strength in the numbers and now they they've really uh, uh, taken another jump uh, in September Kurt always good to talk with you thanks for being with us you bet thanks for having me on Mike all right, Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. September Ag Equipment sales numbers were up. Another strong month for them. All right, tomorrow we're going to t- talk more about the supply chain uh, issue because, uh, well, we've been talking about it for some time, but uh, it, it's a huge issue and it's becoming a, a bigger and bigger issue in many parts of our lives including agriculture, and we're going to be talking more about that coming up on tomorrow's program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Have a great day, a safe day, and we hope you'll join us again tomorrow right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.